fighting the enemy. Just ask you right now, Lord, to soften our hearts and to prepare us for what you have for us tonight, Lord. That I can deliver it, Lord, that your word would go forth, that we would receive it. We would walk out with it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, here we go. All scripture, everybody say all scripture, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. You are the man of God. You are the woman of God. That you may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. All scripture. Old Testament, New Testament. All of it. And we're going to be looking at the Old Testament starting tonight. Let's go and let's look at one more scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 11. Now, all these things happened to them as examples, as they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Pastor, why are you why are you talking about this scripture? The Bible makes it clear that the experiences of the natural children of Israel were orchestrated and recorded by God. For the instruction of the spiritual children of Israel. You know who the spiritual children of Israel are? The church. These things that we read were put down on paper and have been passed down for years and years and years to equip the church. They're not just stories. They're for us. And since most, most of us are more familiar with the physical world than the, than the spiritual world, Jesus many, many times used natural, he used parables, he used natural things to explain what takes place in the spiritual realm. We understand the physical, we don't understand the spiritual, right? So Jesus in his teaching would take parables and compare them to the physical uh, to try to show us how the, the spiritual works. In the same way, the Lord uses the physical enemies and wars of the Old Testament to reveal truth about the spiritual enemies and the spiritual wars that we're supposed to fight. These natural battles that occurred in the Old Testament are training and preparation and equipping for the wars that we have on this earth today. Are you with me? All right. And he expects us to fight. After the children of Israel were delivered by the power of God from Pharaoh in Egypt. Do you remember they saw all these miracles? They were not intended to peaceably live out their lives in the wilderness. Their main goal was not, you know, God delivered them. The waters parted. They were delivered from slavery. And you know what that's a picture of? It's a, I hope you would know this. It's a picture of salvation. The children of Israel being delivered from bondage from the enemy. And you know what? I want you to catch something with this story. They didn't have to fight. With salvation, we just receive it. We just have to receive it. We don't have to work for it. We don't have to do anything for it. We just have to receive it. We can't do good enough to, to earn that. Jesus provided that for us. We have just received that. 
But you know what? Life didn't end after their deliverance. Do you think that the Lord wants to deliver us into the wilderness to live there for the rest of our life? That was just part of their deliverance. They were delivered from Egypt through the uh, Red Sea into the wilderness. But their end result, their end goal was the promised land. So what we want to do is we want to paint this picture. We want to see in reality that salvation was just God's part of just saying, uh, of giving us uh, salvation. We were no longer on the pathway to hell. We have been saved by, by faith, by the blood of Jesus. Now, life starts. We were get, we're now a new creation. We're now a new person. But now life starts coming at us. And here are the children of Israel and all these people occupying the land that the Lord has given them. Are you with me? Okay. They weren't intended. Their deliverance was not so that they could get to the wilderness and stay there. Are, are we on the same page? Waiting to die and go to heaven. I'm saved. Now, if I would just go ahead and die, that would be it. No, God, God came for so much more. Jesus came for so much more than that. If that's all he came for, why don't we just get saved and, and die right then? God came to give us life. He came to give us victory. So let's keep looking. Their deliverance from Egypt was only the beginning of the fulfillment of the promise of God. Our salvation is only the beginning of fulfilling our promise that God has for us. It's just the start. It's not the end. They were still expected to go in and drive out the inhabitants of the land that the Lord had given them and go and possess the land of promise. In the same way, our spiritual deliverance from Satan and the world is just the beginning of the promise of God in our lives. We are expected to learn from this example of these natural enemies of God's people to understand the spiritual enemies of the soul. What we're going to what we're going to start doing not tonight. I'm going to still kind of lay out why we need to be delivered, how we're going to be delivered. The land of promise for the Christian is not heaven. If it would, we'd have to go in. We'd have to fight our way into heaven. Our way to heaven is already sealed and done. We are going to heaven. I am a child of God. I'm going to heaven. But boy, I've got a long way to go before I get there. I got a lot of victory. Don't you? The promised land for a believer is to be conformed to the image of the son of God. The possession of the promised land requires a driving out of the spiritual enemies in the same way that the possession of the natural promised land required the children of Israel to drive them out. We have got these in us. Let's start looking at scripture. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter seven, verse one. When the Lord, your God brings you into the land, which you go to possess and has cast out many nations before you. Now, when we start, I want you to look at it through the glasses of all scripture is inspired by God, given to you, given to you to be profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction. So when we look at this, we're not just thinking about the story. We're trying to look at it 
How, how does this apply to me? Either all scripture is for that reason or it's not. And it is. Right? So immediately, when the Lord, your God, brings you into the land which you go to possess and has cast out many nations before you, the Hittites and the Gergesites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the um, Hivites and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than you. Verse 2. And when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. Who's going to conquer and destroy them? We are. You shall make no covenant with them, nor show mercy to them. The seven nations that possess this land of promise recorded in the word reveal seven enemies of the soul to a born again Christian. This is the ultimate this is the ultimate goal of this message. Remember, all scripture is given by God for our instruction and correction. And over the next few weeks, we are going to look at these enemies in detail. But first, we're going to look at the way to command. We're going to look in uh, at the way that we are to command to deal with all of these enemies. The Lord makes it clear in this story that the inhabitants, the, the enemies are already in the land. These are not things that show up after the fact. They're already there when we come out of Egypt. These are not the enemies that come to invade our lives after we're saved. These are the enemies that were left there by our sin nature. These are simply those enemies that are common to fallen man. Therefore, we should not go overboard. We shouldn't freak out and start to feel condemned or go see an exorcist. Okay, the Lord knows that we have flesh and that we have problems. He just doesn't want us to make covenant with our enemies and agree to coexist with them in the land. Another thing that this scripture right here makes clear is they're mightier than us. Did you hear it in the scripture? Is it on that part? Down at the bottom. Seven nations greater and mightier than you. They're stronger than us. The children of God had no hope in defeating them without the Lord's help. In the same way, we've got to trust the Lord's help as we engage these enemies in warfare. Everybody say warfare. It's war. These enemies, as we start to reveal them, let me tell you, it's going to take war to get them out. Have you ever tried to get a tick off your skin? You've got to fight with that thing. It does not give up easily. And it hurts. But when it gets off, it doesn't hurt anymore. And let me tell you, it's hard to kill a tick. We would play a frisbee golf out here in the summer. We've not played yet this year, but I'd get a couple ticks every year. Elizabeth would be paranoid every time going to bed. Do you have ticks? Not that I know of. Yeah. It happens. <laughs> the primary way that the Lord promised to help his people is that he would deliver he would deliver or bring each enemy before them so that they could smite them. 
the enemies of the soul can all be listed under this, uh, uh, the heading of the mystery of iniquity, which is in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7. They are hidden from us until the Lord starts to reveal them to us. Once he brings them before us, we are responsible to destroy them without mercy and without compromise with the help of our faith, our faith in God. Let's keep looking. We just looked at verse one and two. Let's look at verse three. Nor shall you make marriages with them. You shall not give your daughter to your to their son, nor take their daughter for your son. For they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. So the anger of the Lord will be aroused against you and destroy you suddenly. But thus you shall deal with them. You shall destroy their altars and break down their sacred pillars and cut down their wooden images and burn their carved images with fire. One of the most serious acts of disobedience for the people of God is to come into any kind of covenant or agreement with their enemies, with our enemies. The Lord will will always be a respecter of our free will, and he will do nothing to deliver us from the enemies of our soul or body that we are willing to receive in. We have to understand that if we are joined to the Lord then any of our covenant relations with the enemy, do you know that any time that we are a child of God, when we make covenant with the enemy, it joins them to the Lord. And God will have no part of that. Do you see how when we go down the wrong road and allow the wrong things to come into our life, that a separation occurs? God's not going to be with... God is, is, not, is nowhere near sin. We cannot join ourselves to these enemies. So as the people of God, we are commanded not to intermarry with the enemy, nor allow our sons or daughters to enter into any covenant with them. A lot of Christians believe that if they had lived in the Old Testament times, they would never have been guilty of uh, uh, hanging out with the enemy. I know myself too well. I would. I'd be right in the middle of it. If it wasn't but for the grace of God, I would, I, would, I would be in probably more trouble than anybody here. But praise God for the grace of God. Why he chose me and why he chose you to deliver you out of that, I can't explain it. But thank the Lord he loves us and we don't have to understand it. And we receive it. And I'm not ashamed that the Lord's delivered me. Praise the Lord. Help us to get those others that are hung up in it out of it. Can you imagine going to bed at night having no God to look to? It's hard enough knowing who God is. You know, it's hard enough to make it through what we've got to go through. But at least I know I've got God behind me. And if I will just stay focused, he's going to deliver me every time. How do we get out of focus? How could we ever get out of focus? Just a thought. How can I ever? How can how, how do we do that? But so many times we find ourselves guilty of disobedience in an area from, from one to another. Um, 
for example, let's just let's just use um, let's use food. Um, I've just I, I've probably gotten on everybody's nerves talking about this, but uh, you know there is an enemy in the lust of the flesh concerning food, loving and cherishing your meals. Do you treat your lust for food as an enemy? We're commanded to be ruthless in tearing down our altars. Let me tell you something. Food's not bad. We have to have food. It's the same thing with money. We can sit here and be completely hung up with money, but money's a good thing. The love of money is the problem. Money's not bad. I need money. You need money. We need money. God gives you wisdom to make money. He gives you the ideas to make money. Money's not bad. Food's not bad. But when we see that we have an enemy, it says to tear these altars down and images uh, of these enemies. We've got to attack without mercy. We cannot continue to love what God hates. There's nothing wrong with, with our daily bread. However, if we start to reveal that there is a lust, there is an enemy, that de- and, and that the Lord delivers the enemy to you, um, you can't continue... Let's get off of food. Let's get on to alcohol. Alcohol. When we allow this enemy to get a hold of us, we have got to tear the altars down. I don't want, I don't want you to miss this because food, food can have the same kind of impact on you. So can video games. So can your computer. So can pornography. So can you can take something good and be obsessive, overdo it and allow it to control you. Let's just stick with alcohol. Huh? Did I say pornography was good? There are things food is not bad, but food can get you. The Lord even says that these kind of marriages will be a snare to your sons and daughters. How many of you know alcoholics that have kids that are alcoholics? That have their kids that are alcoholics? This reason is that alcoholic parents often raise alcoholic children. In the same way with food. What you teach... I had lunch with somebody yesterday that um, was talking about... uh, they had. They had seen me and we were sitting down talking. They had asked me about how much weight I'd lost. And I told them and I, I, uh, they started talking about their eating habits. And they said, uh, they said, Paul, my parents gave me these uh, instructions on how to eat, what to eat, what not to eat. I don't, I don't eat this and I don't eat that. And you could see it was a heritage. It was a heritage. And it says here with these enemies that we have, that we not only have to fight our enemies out off of our land, but we've got to fight them off of our children's land. We've got to teach them. You don't accept this. You don't marry into this. Your love relationship with alcohol or with food or with pornography can give birth to a family curse if it's not dealt with properly. And this is just one example of a socially acceptable covenant with the enemy that destroys the witness of so many Christians. Are y'all with me so far? And you name it. 
It doesn't have to be food. It doesn't have to be alcohol. It could be anything. Another common example of covenanting with God's enemy is when Christians, and this is going to sound bizarre to some, but I have heard this, when Christians embrace and defend their sickness or infirmity. Many will describe their condition as my cancer, my diabetes, my disability. As if it's some precious attribute of their identity. And if you don't believe it's true, try to challenge some Christians about the Lord's will for them to fight for their healing. You, you will see people respond. You will respond for their right to be sick. I have been around somebody, some people that did not want to go to the doctor so that they could continue their disability. Drawing disability. They're afraid to get well. Quoting the book of Job or citing Paul's thorn in the flesh as their defense. Many will do this ignorantly because they have not been taught. And everybody hear this. Sickness is an enemy of God. Sickness is the enemy. It is an enemy. However, after the truth about sickness and infirmity is revealed to you by the Lord, you've got to break your covenant of marriage with all disease. You got to take that wedding ring off and never again identify with that enemy. You must ruthlessly put away any covenant relationship that was joined in opposition of God. God's enemies must become your enemies. We are to become one like Christ. Right? And what he loves, we are to love. What he hates, we are to hate. What would you do if you came home from vacation and somebody was living in your house? There's a term for it, squatter. Squatters are people that illegally take up residence on someone else's land. What would you do? Would you camp out in the yard and allow that person to just stay in your house and hope they would leave? Maybe sit out in a tent and pray, God, make them leave. Well, they didn't leave today. It must not be God's plan. Maybe tomorrow. Doesn't that sound funny? Would you just casually bring your things in and share the house with these strangers? We are commanded by the Lord to occupy our land. We're commanded to occupy our city. Not be occupied by the world. To do this, we must violently drive out those who unlawfully dwell in the king's domain. These enemies are spiritual squatters that will destroy our witness if we allow them to stay. Our attitude toward them should be just as zealous. Our attitude toward these things that are battling us in our mind and our lives and our kids should be just as zealous as if we were to come home and find a stranger or an enemy. In our home. Deuteronomy 7 verse 17. It says. If you should say in your heart. These nations are greater than I. How can I dispossess them? You shall not be afraid of them. 
But you shall remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and all Egypt. It will always require faith for us to defeat our enemies. A person cannot be in faith and fear at the same time. You remember earlier, the Lord showed us in his word that these enemies are mightier than we are. By ourselves, however, we can overcome all of our enemies through our faith in God. One of the best ways to stay in faith is to remember what the Lord has done. I had somebody come away from the meeting, the PM meetings that we had over the last two weeks that said, you know, I'm ready to storm hell after hearing what God has done in the last five years. We forget what God's done. That's why in Scripture it says, put the stones up so that when your kids are going by, you'll tell them about what happened. It says to take his word and when you're sitting down to eat, when you're walking from here to there, tell them about what I've done. Because they're going to get outside of your realm and be exposed. And they need to remember. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. But remember what I did to them back in, in Egypt. If God delivered the children of Israel from Egypt by his mighty hand. Don't you think he could deliver them from the, the, the nations in the land of Canaan? In the same way. If God delivered you from the world. And from a spiritual death, don't you think that he can deliver you from your uh, lusts of your flesh and from your physical infirmity? If God can cleanse you of your sin, save you by the blood of Jesus for, for eternity, it's eternal, it's, it, it's an eternal supernatural thing that happens. Don't you think he can handle your natural problems here on earth? If he can seal you for all eternity, plus he's your creator, you are my creator, I'm going to sing to you forever. Let your word proclaim, holy is your name. Don't you think if he can seal us for all eternity, plus create us, can't he handle what we're facing? We can believe him for salvation, but not for a job. Not for bad dreams, not for no sleep, not for depression. Not for cancer. You know, we start building our way up. Cancer's a lot to believe for at first. I, I believe to God the simple things and the difficult things are all, all simple. They're down here. In fact, if we'll look at Scripture, God has placed them under our feet. Not under His feet. Everything's under His feet. He's in full control of everything. But He's placed them under our feet. We just lose perspective. But if you will not be afraid and remember what God has already done for us, surely he can deliver you. The children of Israel perished in the wilderness, never possessing the land of a promise. Because why? They feared the giants. They went into the land. Do you remember? They sent them in. Hey, go check it out. Moses said, go check it out. See what we, we got. I've heard there's a land of milk and honey. Who'd I hear it from? From God. Go spy it out. Let's go look at it. Here comes 10 of them. Oh, it looks, it, it is the land of milk and honey. It is, it's wonderful. But forget that. Let's go somewhere else. 
We can't take that. And you know what? Because of that, they didn't enter in. Are you with me? This is Numbers 13 and 14. But Joshua and Caleb had a different spirit. They believed that the Lord would cause them to triumph over every giant and nation in the land of promise. We must all come to that kind of courage. One that is born out of unyielding faith in God. Our greatest weapon is our faith, which comes by hearing the word of God. We've got to be willing to lose sleep if necessary. Walk the floor proclaiming God's word against our enemy. God will not fight these battles for us, but he promises to go with us. It's our faith in him that overcomes the world and makes us whole. It's 1 John 5, 4 and Mark 5, 34. Now I'm about to close. I'm real close. Uh, uh, Verse 21, you shall not be terrified of them for the Lord, your God, the great and awesome God is among you. Verse 22, and the Lord, your God will drive out those nations before you little by little and you will be unable to destroy them at once, lest the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. The final point that I want to make in the way of how we're going to how we're going to be commanded to drive these enemies out is that there will be warfare taking place until the Lord returns or until we die. There will be warfare. We will we will have to keep fighting. We cannot drive all of our enemies out in one year or even in 10 years. It says little by little. Do you know if God revealed all of our enemies to us all at once, we would just cower down like a dog. You ever seen a dog whenever you're, we've got a very obedient dog and all we've got to do is act like we're about to discipline it and it just. And if, if the Lord revealed to us everything all at once, we couldn't take it little by little. You're not going to be able to destroy them all at once. One at a time. One at a time. You can do this in our minds. One at a time. We can handle that. If it's the spirit of fear that we're against, let me tell you, that's a big one. That's a big one. I'd say for a, a big percentage of the people that are here and that are in this church, fear has got a grip on us. There are too many things in this world that we allow in that we don't notice. Scary movies for one. Not a good choice. Have people come and tell me, say, Pastor, I had this nightmare, this dream. Is it spiritual? I said, what were you watching the night before? Friday the 13th. Well, stop watching that. Stop watching it and then tell me what you're dreaming. Pastor, I'm not dreaming anything. Good. I'm sleeping. Good. What'd you eat before you went to bed? Try not doing that. Tell me what kind of dreams you're having. Bizarre dreams, you know, like a like a spirit came in and sat on them. What were you watching? Well, don't watch that. It's kind of the Joe McGee approach. Don't do that part. Clean, clean what you got going in. And then let's find out. Let this be going in you. And then really listen hard to your dreams. 
Listen hard to your thoughts. Listen hard to the spirit of God speaking. You're pouring this other stuff in there. You'd better have your feelers out figuring out what's going in your mind. I can tell you, I can watch one scary movie and I won't sleep for a week. And I'm not a sissy-ish. Little by little, we would lose heart and surrender. One enemy at a time. Once that enemy's driven out, he'll reveal the next one to us. We'll never be able to see all the enemies that dwell in our soul until the obvious enemies of our flesh are destroyed. The obvious enemies. We've got to be willing to present our body as a living sacrifice unto God. You'll never begin to know the hidden man of the heart, which according to God's estimation is not good at all. It says in Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The heart. That's what it says about the heart. The salvation of our spirit is the only part of our deliverance that was accomplished instantaneously by the spirit of the Lord. Although we wish that the salvation of the soul and the body could also be done in an instant. It's just not so. The salvation of the soul and body requires a gradual change from glory to glory to possess the land that the Lord has given us. Second Corinthians 318. But we all with unveiled face beholding it as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. Do you see that? We are being transformed. It's a process. Romans 12, 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. The natural children of God were delivered from Pharaoh by the hand of God in a moment of time. God's deliverance happened right away and they didn't have to fight for it. All they had to do was just receive the blessing. That's salvation. When it came to possessing the promised land, did you know they had to defeat the enemies one at a time? And over a period of years, in the same way we receive salvation of our spirit in an instant by the mighty hand of God, all we have to do is receive it. Yet we we must war with the enemies of our promised land one at a time over a period of years being changed and transformed by the spirit of God. This is a process and church, we have got to get nasty. We have got to, number one, we've got to come to reality. We've got to know, number one, there is enemies that are facing us. Number two, that God has given us the tools to get them out, but it's our job to get them out. It's our job to get them out. They're bigger than us. They're more than us. They're mightier than us. But if we allow the Lord to work through us, we will defeat them 100% of the time. I love reading David. I'm in second. I'm in first Chronicles right now. And every time he goes up to war, God, should I go up against him? Yes, you should. This week was God, should I go up against him? Yes, but don't go from the front. Go around the back. And when you hear these enemies up in the when you hear this noise, these these uh, uh, um, troops up in the woods, then go for you will know I have delivered you from this enemy. So he goes and does it. And who would have thought? Deliverance. 
Every time David sought, God gave an answer. Every time. Starting next week, uh, hopefully, um, we're going to start looking at these enemies one by one. And I encourage you, keep coming. It's good. I, li- I like Hebrew and, and uh, Greek study. And um, I, I hope to kind of help, help you see how to put how your life applies to Old Testament and New Testament. Your life applies. Scripture applies directly to you. Amen. Father, I just thank you for your word. Lord, I just ask you to help us even this week, Lord, with with things that we are battling with, Lord, that we would remember what you've done. And Lord, that we would allow your word, we would get in your word daily. Lord, our faith would increase. And Lord, we don't have to wait for this message next week to have victory this week. Lord, the Holy Spirit is a teacher, and I believe that if we will just yield ourselves to you, Holy Spirit, you're going to help give us victory this week. Now, Holy Spirit, fill us again. Prepare us for what we have in front of us. Give us provision, financial provision, spiritual and wisdom provision, Lord. Give us breakthrough. Give us breakthrough, Lord, over the things that we face. Give us victory. We're going to give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Hope you have a great rest of the week.